Hello, church family. Uh, this is part two of our study through Exodus chapter four. If you recall, this week we're going to talk about how God um, structures ministry for us. He gives, um, first we saw on Monday that he gives us the direction of what we need to do. Uh, that he give, provides he, he, he provides for us that there's provision in ministry and that he uh, gives us exactly what we need. And today we're going to learn about God's exactness in ministry, that there is an exactness in a way in which he wants people to live and act, um, or yeah, to live and act because that's just who he is. He, he, this is his um, church, and he decides and dictates uh, what he expects of us in the context of Scripture. Uh, we know as Christians, we draw our principles and application from the Word of God that it derives and stems out of it. Uh, anything else that we try to add to ministry is just our own opinion and are bound to be, um, are bound to be uh, thwarted and things are bound to change. Um, so today, that's what we're going to learn. Um, just a little, a little heads up if you're listening to this with your kids, if, you, if you're listening to this with your you know, young people, uh, yeah, little kids, there's going to be a part of this text that's just very bizarre and strange. Um, I'm just going to defer to your discretion that you may want to jump, uh, maybe not listen to this one, at least toward the end, um, but at least like, try to get from the beginning uh, that God is, ex is, is exact when it comes to ministry. So look at chapter 4, verse 18. Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro's father-in-law and said to him, Please let me go, that I may return uh, to my brethren who are in Egypt to see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Remember, this is right after God uh, gives Moses this, the three signs that he needs to be able to go uh, tell the Israelites and Pharaoh that God, the God of Israel, is the true God and that they need to submit to him. And initially, this was all about just worshiping God uh, you know, God for three days and then going back to Egypt, but then he was God trying to harden um, Pharaoh's heart, decided to uh, almost like provoke Pharaoh to make things harder for Israel so that they want, want to leave. And at this point, it's been, you know, Moses is 80 years old. He has no clue where, um, how the people in Egypt are doing. And he's asking now to go back to see if they're still alive, you know, thinking that like there might still be that genocide of, of, of the little boys and uh, and there's probably no way for them to know uh, who's still alive or not. So he wants to go back to see. Uh, but he should know because God said he's going to let his people go. Um, but I think this is, you know, a lot of ways Moses' faith is developing as the sequence of the book is moving forward. And again, you can see how like God is gracious to him. God told him that he's going to make Pharaoh um, harden's heart and those people are going to come out and leave and then Moses is still wondering if they're still alive. It's like, come on, man, you got to trust him. But again, there's this almost like a mustard seed-like faith that we see in Moses that God still used. Um, so again, this shows us the kindness of God and the patience that he has towards us. Verse 19, Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. This just sounds somewhat familiar. Just a side note about how Jesus was, that like when he was born, um, he was able to return only after the people that wanted to kill him are no longer there. Um, so just the, it's just this little pattern that we see that God uses very exceptional people, very exceptional circumstances, and he times it exactly when he wants to go. Uh, no sooner, because um, then there might be people that want to kill him, and no later, because then that would not be part of God's timetable, and he has to be exactly this time now. So he calls him, and, he, and you know, again, God is exact in terms of his timing of ministry. 
Verse 20, So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. Again, we talked about this on Monday, how the staff is a symbolic item to talk about leadership. So he has this staff, he told him to go uh, with him. Again, this is also because of the sign too. If he does, if he like left a staff behind, it's like, hey, show me the sign, and then there wouldn't be that little snake thing. Uh, so it's important that he brings the staff along with him. First one, then Lord, then uh, Lord, the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt to see what you, to see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have to put in your power, uh, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Again, that's why I said earlier, why does God do this? It's because he wants to make it hard for the Israelites to stay in Egypt. He's going to make things difficult for them so they would want to leave. Verse 22, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go, and that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. This is allusion to also what happened earlier too in the first two chapters that uh, because of what God has done, uh, because of what Pharaoh has done and uh, killing all the baby boys, uh, uh, God is going to do that same thing to back to um, Pharaoh because of how he, they mistreated God's people. They're going to be uh, judged by the Lord. And then it gets to the first 24 is when it gets kind of weird. Uh, this is the part where I kind of warned about the parent thing um, to your kids. So you've been warned. Now it came about the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zephora took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at the at the feet at Moses' feet, and she said, "You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me." This is the weirdest text that probably in the whole book, and uh, I had struggles in terms of even understanding what's going on. But the 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 main idea I think here, and a different commentary differ on what this means. I see this as basically that Moses has failed at one point to fulfill the covenant, to do the covenant marking of circumcision. Uh, you, circumcision in the Old Testament was a mark of that you're part of the covenant people of God, and Moses at some point forget to do that for his own son. Uh, that's why Sephora did it. It wasn't supposed to be her task, and that's, that's why she responds saying, you are um, you are indeed a bride, bridegroom of blood to me, and then Yahweh let him alone, and at the time she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. So it seems that, like, this, here's how I'm understanding it. Commentators I've read so far have differed in, in, in what they think this means. But I, what I think this means is that um, because Moses didn't do his job, God was going to kill him, uh, kill his son, because he didn't, um, you know, he was uncircumcised. And it means that he's not part of God's covenant. He's going to do things in the name of God. Um, as a family, they're going to go together. And Zephora, knowing that this is going to happen, ended up having to do the task that Moses was supposed to do. Now, why is that? Why did God do this? It's because he is an exact God. Um, I think sometimes when we look at the Old Testament, we think, oh, how pity, we, we like almost pity them, right? We pity the Old Testament people in terms of like, oh, all these rules that they have to keep. But you have to understand that's actually a, a grace of God that God t told them explicitly what they need to do so that they can uh, worship the Lord. All the Levitical things, that's actually easy. That's why in the New Testament, they call it the law as a tutor. It's, it's supposed to give you exactly what you need to know so that you can worship God. If you look at us now, when we operate our principle, that's actually a lot harder because circumstance might be different. Um, we may not know how to honor the Lord in every single area, but the, the Bible does give every principle that we need so that we can live a life of godliness and know how to discern how to live life. In the Old Testament, they have a lot of law, all 800-something, uh, and it tells them exactly what they need, and that's a grace of God. Um, so Moses here did not do that. He did not 
do what he was supposed to do in terms of circumcising his kid. And, and basically, Zephora is somewhat angry by the tone that Moses for jeopardizing his son and failing to do what he was supposed to do. I'm going to see Moses fail a lot of times, but God is uh, always going to be uh, gracious in providing a means by which he will fulfill it. So how does this apply to us? That our God is an exacting God too, and that he knows exactly he, he does, there are things that are general principle, there are, but there are also things that are very exacting. For example, things like baptism. We're New Testament covenant, so we don't do circumcision, uh, but we have baptism. And the, even the mode of baptism is immersion. Um, I would argue that sprinkling is uh, it's more of a tradition than it is an, an actual biblical command. Uh, sprinkling is a usual Lutheran or Presbyterian type of thing, and this is where we disagree with their, our, our Presbyterian and Lutheran brothers there. Um, but I do think that, like, yeah, in terms of baptism, that's what we're supposed to do. In terms of communion, there's things that we need to do there. Uh, church discipline, uh, even elder, the, the qualification of eldership. These are all things that God uh, exact, wants exactly f uh, for his people and for the leaders. Even with things like women are not allowed to preach, these are all specific because this is part of what God wants. This is his church. He decides and he sets the boundaries of what is pleasing to him. So when we think about who God is, uh, we know that God is an exacting God. Um, and that's because he knows exactly what he wants and why we do what he wants is because it gives God glory ultimately um, and also shows our allegiance to him. We are exacting in our life in terms of following God's word. It makes us distinct and it makes the world know that our life and who we worship is different. Um, I get always kind of worried when I notice, when I see like pastors and Christians that act too much like the world in the name of Christ. Um, our job is to be salt and light. It means that we're supposed to be distinct. We're supposed to look different from the world. Um, I'm not ta necessarily talking about dress code, although that there is probably part of that that's there that we need to consider. Like, are we dressed in a way that makes us that points to the glory of God, or do we dress in such a way that makes people look at us and um, you know make us look good? Um, and you know, are obviously what I'm. That's secondary. The more important thing is your character. You know, how you live is a reflection of what you worship most. And God gives us exactly what he, he gives us. He tells us exactly what he expects from us to honor him in the church and outside the church. Uh, so when you think about your Bible reading, when you read the uh, commands of Scripture in the New Testament, all the imperatives, like you need to be like this and you do that, the more you do those things, the more it gives uh, God praise and glory because we're doing exactly what he wants us to do. And God tells us that. God is an exacting God, so he tells us exactly what we need to live a God, a li live a, a God-honoring life and a life that is pleasing to him. So that's today that God is exacting in his ministry. And uh, tomorrow, we're gonna, or not tomorrow, Friday, we're going to end our lesson in Exodus 4 by saying how God blesses those in ministry. So first point, God's direction in ministry. Second, God's provision in ministry. Today we learn about God's exactness in ministry. And on Friday, we learn about God's blessing in ministry. Hope this is helpful. Take care and have a good day.